Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. He's Lance Meadow. I am John Schmelk, and you will be on the phones all show long at 201-939-4513. No guests today, folks. We want to give you today and tomorrow just to get in and get your final opinion on the draft and everything else going on in the land of the New York football giants. We've done a ton of guests in the last month. I want to give make sure you have a chance to get in in these last 36 hours or so before the NFL draft begins, and I'll actually do better. 32 hours before hey, the NFL be more exact. Okay. draft begins tomorrow night at 8 o'clock in Dallas, Texas. Do you so, want to throw an Eastern Standard Time? I thought you'd be a little bit more specific in terms of all the details. Okay, you're well, how about this? Fort yes. Worth, Texas. I'll okay, be a little bit more specific. There that's you go. that's what now? I like. I want okay. all the details out. So, But before we get to the draft, and I know that's what all your call is going to be about, and that's cool, let's talk first, though, Lance, about what we saw in the practice field yesterday. And obviously there's been... Um, and ad nauseum micro-managing <laughs> and Just editing and um, analysis of what we saw yesterday. The bottom line, and we heard it from the guys today out in the field house, this is everyone getting their feet wet for the first time. And some guys played well. Some guys had great moments. Some guys had bad moments. Some guys had both. And that's the process we're going to be in um, as these two guys hit the field for the first time. With just two weeks' worth of meetings to absorb an offense and a defense. So this is the real, real early learning stages of this process, Lance. Oh, and it's a very small sample size in terms of these guys getting on the field. To your point, John, I think Davis Webb, who actually spoke to the media before we yep. came on, I mean, he, to me, put things in perspective. He said, you know... When you go out there for the first day, it's always the hardest day because you guys you have guys running around and you know not everybody fully knows the offense. So even completing a pass without contact is difficult at times under the circumstances. And they're extra amped up because it's the first day of practice. So guys, he didn't use this expression, but he kind of made the point that guys are kind of like chickens running around with their heads cut off. Nervous energy. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. So it's very hard to look in sync on the same page and doing all those things great. And I know Davis Webb is the guy everyone wants to talk about. Um, so real quick, from what I saw, um, had some good moments, had some bad, fumbled a couple of snaps, which is fine. It happens. It's a new center. You're figuring things out for the first time. It's not a big deal. Um, was off target on a few passes. Other targets, he fit them into really small spots, made some nice throws on a couple short passes to tight ends. Look, guys, we know what Davis Webb can do physically. He's pretty mobile. or he's mobile enough. He's big, he's strong, he's got a good arm, and he looks the part. And he did all those things yesterday. We knew all that. We're not really going to learn anything no. that much new about Davis Webb. Yeah, we'll learn a little bit more because he's now the number two for the time being. He'll get, so he'll get reps, reps against exactly. better players than he did last year. That's fine. But let's be honest. We're not really learning anything, Lance, until he steps onto the field in the first quarter of that first or second quarter of that first preseason game, and he's got rushers coming at him that want to kill him. And let's see how he does. Yeah, I mean, that's how you learn about all quarterbacks. Yeah. Davis Webb is not unique. I mean, this whole narrative, John, that... And Pat Shermer has quieted that narrative. But despite trying well, to quiet trying that narrative, to. nobody wants to stop talking about yeah. it as if these three days that we're currently in the midst of is Davis Webb's pro day. And that all of a sudden, what the Giants coaching staff sees out of these three days could perhaps influence the direction they want to go in the draft, which to me is absolutely ridiculous. Yes. It's ludicrous. Whatever it's other vocabulary it's crazy. you want to throw out. I mean, there's no way. I mean, even if you're not somebody that has followed football overwhelmingly over the years, that could come to the conclusion that in a non-contact set of three days, John, when a quarterback is throwing against air, that that is going to convince them that he could be the successor to Eli Manning. We think Sam Darnold is good as Andrew Luck, but you know what? Since Davis Webb hit a guy that he's never played with before <laughs> down the field on target for a 20-yard in cut, that's it. You know what? We don't want clicked. the next Andrew Luck. Yeah. We're going to stick with Davis Webb. And look, that was – and I think from the beginning of this process, at least to me, Davis Webb's presence isn't what was going to be the balancer on the scale as to whether or not the Giants draft a quarterback. He's a factor. He's there. Uh, you compare the skill set of the quarterbacks coming out to his, absolutely. But as Dave Gettleman said at the Combine, if you see one of these quarterbacks and you believe that he's your next franchise guy for the next 15 years, you pick him. And if you think that, Davis Webb being on the team is not going to stop you. And Davis Webb, they tried to get him to give an annoyed answer about how he would be annoyed if the Giants drafted the quarterback. He was wonderful. He said exactly what he was supposed to say. And 
that part of the quarterback game he has down 100%. That guy knows how to win the media availability, yeah. win the press conference. He's, I hate to throw the word out, but he's like, you know, David Wrightish, Jeterish, Judgeish in terms of his ability to say the right thing. And he said, all I care about is the Giants becoming a better team. And if Dave Gettleman thinks the best way for the Giants to become a better team is to draft a quarterback, I'm 100% for it. Let's go. We'll compete, and we'll see what happens. That's above my pay grade. I don't want to make those decisions. I don't make those decisions. I'm here to be the best teammate possible and become the best quarterback I can be. And that's the only attitude he should have. And frankly, Lance, it's the only attitude anybody should have. Well, I was going to say, you didn't even have to go that far with the comparisons, John. The guy that's in the same quarterback's room as yeah, him, I think, Eli. has set yeah. a good example, too. Yeah, exactly I, right. I mean, he pretty much handled it yeah. like Eli Manning has handled no the question. media during his tenure here in New York. What you laid out was 100%. I mean, the other thing that they tried to rattle him with was, and they asked Eli this question, John, over the last few weeks, you've had some of the top prospects actually come to the facility. And, you know, has that fired up Davis Webb? Does he get more amped up to make a statement? And he answered it just as you said. Going to be a good teammate. I am motivated myself. And let's face it, Davis Webb should have all the motivation in the world. He moved up to number two on the depth chart in the span of this offseason, and he understands what's in front of him. So you don't need to draft a quarterback to no. tell Davis Webb no. what is at stake here. That's another ridiculous story. No, the guy's working his butt off, yeah. and he wants it. And, and that's why you think he has a chance, by the way. And that's why you think he has the chance to be the next guy. We don't know if he is or not. Heck, we don't know if whoever the Giants drafted second overall is going to be a great player, despite the fact that people throw out can't-miss prospect around, which there really is no such thing, by the way. You, you don't know. But he shows the intangibles and the physical traits that he should be able to do it. But let's see him get on the field and do it. Well, That's it. And the other Period. Thing that, done. The other thing that I want to add, because, you know, everybody always says, well, Davis Webb compared to these quarterback prospects, you have to essentially look at the collegiate tape because we haven't seen Davis Webb in a regular season game. But the other thing Correct. that a lot of people will point out, John, is, well, Davis Webb has a significant advantage over these quarterback prospects because he's had a year in the NFL, which I agree in terms of understanding what you need to be to be a professional. But as Davis Webb pointed out to us today, he is starting from scratch one, John. If he was in the same system, yeah. it's a different conversation. So it's almost as if he's back to equal footing somewhat if they were to go in the direction of drafting a quarterback. because And he, this is how he laid it out. He said, Eli Manning is on Algebra 20. Or was last year. Was last yes. year. and But even to this degree, he's still mm -hmm. on Algebra 4 because he has so much experience. And Davis Webb said... I was on addition last year when right. he first came in to try to learn Ben McAdoo's defense. Now he says he's not offense. on addition. Offense, yes. excuse mm -hmm. me. Now he's not on addition. He's on Algebra 1, yeah. according to Davis Webb. But he is still having to flush everything out of his system from last yeah. year because all the jargon, all the language is completely new. And if the Giants do at some point draft a quarterback, whether it's second or somewhere else in the draft, he'll have a four-week advantage on the other quarterback that's, that's here. Yeah, and that's, once again, not a huge sample size. Now, again... Things like learning how to handle the huddle, and he mentioned that, something he learned from last year because he didn't do that in college. He was all no huddle, and he said the one thing he was very happy with, he didn't make any mistakes relaying the plays in the huddle yesterday. So little things like that, that'll give him a leg up, no question about it, but you're right. In terms of learning the system and the big picture stuff, you know, what happens on the field in games is what really gets you ready. You can only do so much, uh, you know, in T-shirts and in the film room. It helps, of course, but we're not going to know anything until they get into a padded situation. Um, not a whole lot else to talk about. Um, all the rumors of the Odo Beckham holdout turned out to be hogwash, <laughs> which I which I think yeah. is really funny. We spent two weeks on this on on the show with people calling out, freaking out that Odell's not going to show up and they have to trade him. And even though we can't even practice with an ankle injury, the guy's in the building. So that's something you, you don't really worry about. And they'll have another practice today, one more tomorrow, and then you get the draft on Thursday night. Tomorrow will be a little bit shortened because yes. of obviously the draft preparation. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the schedule for the most part for these first two days identical in terms of how Pat Shermer handled things. And they had a walkthrough today. They had a walkthrough yesterday, and they're going to practice shortly uh, till about later in the afternoon. And we'll have an opportunity to get Eli Manning and Davis with plenty of reps. All right, folks, we'll get to the draft as you go along. Lance and I, or at least I will give my final prediction and my final thought. And when I do, I'm going to talk for a long time in a <laughs> row. I'll apologize ahead of time. But thank you. Because I've probably... Except for the people upstairs, I can't imagine there's another person on this planet that's thought about this Giants draft pick more than I have. I've been through it so many times in my head. Okay, Paul DeTito, you're right. Yeah. Second most. You're absolutely right, Matt Cohen. <laughs> Thank you. Second most. But I've been over this thing so many times in my head where 
I, I think I finally settled on something. And you know me, I've been back and forth a few times, and I think I've settled, so we can get to that uh, whenever you guys want to ask the question. to me. I don't know if that's a relief to the rest of them, but I am relieved to hear this. I'm sure this, you so. are. Tremendous news. All right, let's get to it. You ready to take some calls? I'm ready. Let's roll. 201-939-4513. Our buddy Stas out in Washington. We haven't heard from Stas in a while. What's up, pal? Hey, what's up? So I deliberately haven't called in, and I waited to be right before the draft to call in and make my point. Go ahead. Because everyone is changing every day. So <laughs> a couple things real quick. If, if we're going to take a quarterback, in my opinion, it's Allen or Donald, and, and that's where it ends, in my personal opinion. Okay. okay? Uh, I, I, but when I look at the NFL landscape, even, even look at the success of the Rams and what was the major difference in the Rams, look at what, how other teams have built their teams, the Eagles, even the Giants before we drafted Manning. A lot of times teams don't just – there's another recipe. It's not always get your quarterback and build your team. There's also build your team, and when you see the studs you want, you go get them. And that's what the Eagles did with Wentz. That's what the Giants had a, an O-line, a running game. We had Sharky. We had a defense before we got Manning. You know, like, there's things that just other ways to play. So this mindset of, oh, you got to draft a quarterback, I think it's well, dumb. Well, stop, 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 stop. One thing, stop, one thing real quick. The Giants did have Kerry Collins as their starting quarterback when they drafted Eli. So it's not like they didn't well, have Warner. a quarterback. Kurt Warner, they had. Well, look, Kerry Collins was their starter the year yeah. before Eli got that. Yeah, that's true. So they had, had a good had veteran yeah, starting absolutely. quarterback. Yeah. Right. Right. No, and I get that, but all I'm saying is that with this, 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 I hear it over and over. Is like if you're drafting that high, you know, you have to pick a quarterback. I just don't think that's the case. I think Quinton Nelson instantly makes the whole offense better, in my opinion. Okay, Wayne Gallman showed promise last year. Um, give him a better O line. See what the kid can do. Mm-hmm. Give Elon Manning more time. See how quicker Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be able to get open. It makes the difference. Keep your defense off the field. See how much fresher they are when they take the field. It makes such a difference. And I just, I just don't. I just really hope that we play the, we play it smart, and we get our. We get. I wouldn't even mind going O line number one, and O line in the second round. I'd be completely honest with you. I wouldn't mind that. I just want to see the Giants get back to being able to control their own destiny on the field and not hoping that we could get Beckham on a slant, Eli Manning doesn't get slacked, and Beckham could take it to the house. Like, that's just where I'm at, guys. I'll leave it to you. You could take apart my opinion any way you want to. Love the show. Always listening. Um, I'll take you guys off air. Thank you, Stas. I appreciate it. And look, I can't say picking Quentin Nelson's a bad idea. I get guarded, too. I totally get that. Position value is something I'll talk about a lot later in the show. But He's really, really, really good. And the guard market, as we saw this offseason, teams are understanding, based on the contracts they're giving out, the importance of having very strong interior offensive line play. So I get it. Um, I I don't want to get into the quarterback thing again, why you like Allen more than the other guys. I have my feelings on that. I know Lance does too. Um, But look, I get it. And if if that's your opinion, it's it's a valid one. Yeah, I, listen, I think that Nelson's a hell of a player, and I don't think you have to stretch to make an argument to say that he warrants the number two overall pick. No. The only thing that people are turned off by that is Johnny's not the sexy pick, but you need offensive linemen to win football games, as the last caller alluded to. So to say that you can't take an offensive lineman because he's not that player that's going to show up in the box score and get 100 rushing yards or throw for 300 yards or catch 80 passes to me is absolutely ridiculous because a lot of the teams that address the interior of their offensive lines wound up actually making quick turnarounds and getting to the playoffs. And we've seen that across the board. It's not just unique for one squad. Lance, who would have been three of the most successful Giants draft picks over the past four years? It's been Odo Beckham Jr., it's been Sterling Shepard, and it's been Evan Ingram. Okay, And obviously Landon Collins would be the fourth guy in that group. But those are the three that are probably That's the fair. most successful. They're all flashy guys that make catches and put up numbers. How many games the Giants won last year? Three. It's not just about that. Of course. Well, I mean, that lays it out beautifully. Now, people are going to counter and say, well, a lot of those guys you named were banged up. But still, it wasn't as if before they got banged up that they were necessarily on pace to win 10 games or whatever it may be. They were 0-4 before Odell Beckham got hurt. So I don't think there's a big difference in in terms of making that argument. But the the guys in the trenches are such difference makers. And the caller brought up, Rams brought up Eagles. Now, I disagree slightly that 
they waited to take the quarterback once their quote-unquote house was in order. To me, they were working on things simultaneously. They did draft Goff a year before they signed Andrew Whitworth, so I'll give you that. But their offensive line, John, if you go back to Goff's rookie year, was not anywhere where you felt he's ready to step in front of that old line and he's going to do damage. Lance, their, their offense was a mess when Goff got there. Exactly. They had very little talent outside. Um, the only guy they really had on offense was Gurley. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, they really have anybody else that could catch the football, that could block or do anything else. So I agree with you. And here's the thing with the Eagles. The Eagles never really super-duper bottomed out. I mean, just two years before they drafted Wentz, they were won 11 games or in the playoffs. Yeah, they were just moving on from the Chip Kelly reign. Right. That's and, essentially what they were doing. And, and they were doing it while kind of switching quarterbacks in yeah. and out. They went from one quarterback to the other. You know, you went from Foles, and then you had you know, eventually Bradford showed up there, and then you eventually went to Wentz. But different than coming off a 3-13 and 13 and having a 36- or 37-year-old quarterback. I think it's a little bit of a different comparison. I no, agree. I agree. And one thing I want to add before we go back to the phone calls, the other reason why I disagree with the last caller was saying about that you need your house in order is the fact that when you draft a quarterback, John, and I've said this time and time again, this is not a draft pick for 2018 no, only. No, it is not. So who's to say Or at that, all, by the way. Yeah, so who's to say the offensive line, how it looks in 18, is not how the offensive line is going to look in 2020 or 21. That's another reason why you can't say, well, there's no way we could draft a quarterback unless the offensive line right now is 100%. My argument would be you could draft a quarterback. I just wouldn't have the urge to put him in front of that offensive line if the offensive line is not ready to go. And the offensive line from a pass protection standpoint, in my opinion, is already better than it was last yeah. year simply because Nate Solder's on the team. The run game, I'm not willing to make that commitment We have yet. to see. But the pass game, just having that left tackle that you can rely on, difference maker. Tony in D.C., he's up next. Hey, Tony, what's going on, pal? Hey, Jens, thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling in, Tom. What's up? So, uh, two quick things. So, first, I, I knew you guys were going to start with talking about the quarterbacks at minicamp. Because I'm sure, as you heard from the beat writers, one quarterback improved but looked inconsistent, and the other quarterback looked every bit of 37 years old. So, that, that's just a word, but that doesn't mean much so early in the uh, Well, Tony, year. Tony, honestly, I didn't but, think Eli looked any different than he has the last three or four years in practice. So, I, I, honestly, I didn't know what the beat writers wrote. I can tell you that Eli Manning threw one of the better passes I've seen in a couple years in his last play at practice. He threw a 30-yard missile on a skinny post of Sterling Shepard between three defensive players. That was one of the best throws I've seen in practice in the last four or five years. So, uh, again, that was just me. Eli looked like Eli to me. I didn't see any change in him. Neither did I. I, I didn't sense a dramatic difference. And yeah. I think anybody that's running with those conclusions to be as hungry to write a story and way jumping ahead to what may transpire throughout the rest of the offseason, at least. And by the way, Tony, again, I have no idea who wrote that and, and, and what they wrote. That was just my impression from watching practice. Go ahead. What's your second point? Oh, yeah. And plus, and like, this is not about Eli Manning. He's, he's a made man. This is not about Eli Manning. But here's my question to you guys. I would, what surprised me is that there are only two quarterbacks on the roster. And I, I thought it was genius bringing in Geno Smith last year because you hope to be competitive. You wanted an experienced guy there in case Eli went down. You don't think we should – because we might not drop the quarterback. So you don't think we should bring in a, you know, a, a, an older veteran QB? Who's to say they won't do that, though? Yeah, Tony, they can, and I, I would be surprised if they didn't add an undrafted free agent quarterback. I think that's be something that's probably going to happen after the draft. I would say they might use a sixth or seventh round pick on one, but they don't have a sixth or seventh round pick. So I think yeah. that might be a priority free agent for them. But, Tony, here's the thing. If you use a third round pick on a quarterback like the Giants did on Davis Webb last year, by year two, he's got to be your backup. You can't go using a third round pick on a quarterback, and then he's your third stringer for two years in a row. Uh I don't like that allocation of resources. So I think you can count on Davis Webb to be your backup quarterback this year, and I'm comfortable with that. So I don't think you have to bring in a veteran. If you want to, cool, fine. I got no problem with that for training camp competition. But you got a real problem on your hands if Davis Webb isn't ready to be your backup in a second year as a third-round pick. The other thing to take into consideration, at least at this point, I will say, Tony, to me, there's no urgency to have a third quarterback because right now you want Davis Webb to get as many reps as humanly possible. Even better point. So why would you bring in a third yep. quarterback just to sit around and do nothing? Training camp, I get it. There may be some value to have some competition push Davis Webb a little bit, assuming they don't draft anybody, but I don't think there's any meaning in bringing in a third quarterback because Davis Webb should get as many reps. He should be rotating in and out with Eli Manning. No urgency to bring in another one. Well, I'm not saying he shouldn't be the backup quarterback. He should, but if but, you know, our guy's 37. 
if he goes down and Davis Weather isn't the guy, well, well there we are. You know, but that's all. But but well, but, but the thing is, Tony, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but Tony, we're I mean we're at the ninety man roster right now. You know, your point to me makes a lot more sense if we're at fifty three, and then we're actually playing meaningful regular season games, and you're concerned about the depth chart. Right now, when you're at ninety, I I don't think there's that much once again urgency to say they need an extra arm at this point. And I think it also would be hard to attract a good veteran by selling him on the fact he's the third-string quarterback. You know, these backup quarterbacks can kind of pick where they go a lot of times because they find the spot where they think they have the chance to play. And to tell a veteran he's going to come in here and be the third-string guy, and I'm not sure how attracted it is to those free agents. Not a lot of upside. That's a great point. Oh, no, and 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 that's very true. That's very true. But, see, I kind of thought about it the other way. Since you have 90 spots, you would definitely have more quarterbacks. But, but anyway, on to my second question about the draft. Um. And this isn't up to the fault of Gettleman, in my opinion, because he's been wheeling and dealing his butt off. He's trying. But, but we have lost a lot of top-end roster guys. I mean, many people have said, like, yeah, he, he, he's really cut the roster to the bone in terms of starters, which I do agree with. But maybe the way the market turned out, we didn't get as many replacements as I thought we would by now. So I, I got to give it to Paulie. Trading back looks a heck of a lot better right now. If we're not going to take a quarterback, well, who did they lose? What I want. Who did they lose, Tony? Though, who are you referring to? Uh, JPP, I would imagine Brandon Marshall. Well, 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 I mean, think about it. JP, I mean, I mean, not, not even Brandon Marshall was expected. I was shocked that JPP, DRC, Ross Cockrell, Justin Pugh, Weston Richburg, DJ Fluker. I didn't think all six of those guys would be gone. It's fair point. I thought we well, keep at least one or the other. That's a lot of first, that's well, a lot of um. I, I get that, and and I think it remains to be seen whether or not you know there's somebody on the roster that's going to fill the void of a DRC or even fill the void of a Ross Cockrell. But if you're just looking at pure numbers, remember Dave Gettleman did go out and he brought in five new defensive backs. So from a numbers standpoint, I don't see them lacking. I understand in terms of proven commodities. I think you have a strong argument. But numbers-wise, I think they brought in volume to say, hey, let the best man win. At and this point. theoretically, Kareem Martin would you would be your replacement for Jason Pierre-Paul. In theory, again. Yeah. And, and again, you sign Patrick Omame. He would replace Justin Pugh. And you add in Nate Solder. And then you have Brett Jones, who was here last year already, as a replacement for Richburg. So, Tony, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. That, that, that's kind of where he is. And that's kind of where I am with, with the draft pick, too. And, and I'll kind of piecemeal this out. I'll say, you know, talk about this part first. This is why, and I know you're against it, and I think I'm more in favor of it than Paul even is at this point. I think the Giants need numbers here. Um, they're coming off a 3-13 and year, Lance. Right now, do we know for sure who the Giants' third wide receiver is? No, but not a big need. I still think they need a starting offensive lineman. I think they need another running back that can be a significant part of this rotation, if not the overall starter. I think you need corners on defense that have high-end talent. I think I would like more competition at safety next to Landon Collins. I think you need more bodies in the linebacker room that have high-end talent. And I think you need another pass rusher that can you know, help Olivier Vernon get to the quarterback on a consistent basis. So that's six or seven spots there where I think there's a legitimate spot where I would want more talent in the room. And the Giants only have six picks in this draft with the extra picks they picked up in yeah. in the third round. So, to me, I would be very anxious to try to stack some picks in this draft if you can. And if if you get the right deal from the Bills, you could walk away with four or five starters in the first two days of the draft. I think that might be more helpful to this team in the short and long term than getting that one big banger at the top. Well, that's just me. I mean, I agree with your point that volume is important because look at all the injuries that the Giants have dealt with. I just I'm a little bit leery of once you remove yourself from that top five, top ten area, and to use Buffalo as an example, Buffalo's at twelve. And yes. you're now decreasing your chances from getting one of the non-top quarterback prospects. And the debate is. Listen, would you rather have the can't-miss top non-quarterback prospect and no such then thing as a, can't a miss. bunch of peripheral—I'm well, wording it like that. I, I agree with your sentiments. And a bunch of peripheral complementary guys in the rest of the rounds? Or right. would you rather just have a bunch of complementary guys that could very well stay healthy and contribute, but you don't necessarily have that wow-me solo prospect? Correct. Well, here's how I look at it. And, and this I'll kind of get into my draft thing now, and this will build up as we go throughout the show. <sighs> You said it right. 
it decreases your chances of getting that top position player, right? But if you go back through past drafts and you take a look at where guys were picked that ended up being perennial All-Pros or Hall of Famers, a lot of times it's guys picked in the top five. But there are a significant number of times when there's not. So if you take a look at this draft, what's the percent probability that a guy picked between 10 and 20 could end up being better than the guy the Giants pick it to. 20%, 30%, 35%, 40%. I don't know the answer to that. Nobody does. It, it, That's a guessing game. It's a nebulous number. But the question is, is that is the chance that Barkley is that much better than Derwin James or Minka Fitzpatrick or you know Tremaine Edmonds, is that percentage chance worth not having two or three additional picks in the draft? I don't know that. If you're picking a quarterback, which is the most important position on the field, that that's value. I, I can't argue with that and trading down if you love one of the quarterbacks. That's too important a spot. But if you're talking about a guard or a running back and the positional value there and the depth of those positions later on in the draft, which you've talked about a ton, you can get a starting caliber player that I think can impact the game almost as much as those guys at the top at the top of Well, especially two. running back, I would point out. No question. And especially if you trade with the Bills at 12 and 22, right? You have that 22nd pick in the draft. You could probably select any other running back in the draft at that point. I don't think another running back is going to be gone by 22. So if you love Darius Geis, go get him. You like Sony Michelle, go get him. You could pick whatever guy you want. And would I be shocked and blown away that Sony Michelle is really close to the production of Saquon Barkley? No. That would shock me. Would it shock me if in five years that Derwin James or Minka Fitzpatrick are just as good as Bradley Chubb? Wouldn't shock me. Do I think Chubb will be better? Yeah, I think so. But would it shock me if they're not? No, wouldn't shock me. That's why I think if you're sitting there and you're looking at a position player, and again, there's no guarantee this offer is going to be there. Maybe the phone doesn't ring, and maybe this deal's not on the table. Very possible. But if you can get their two ones, a two, and then one other piece, whether it's another two this year or one next year, and you can get three players for the price of one, given where the Giants are coming off a 3-13 and year, if you're talking about position players... I will roll the dice on that second tier of players in this draft and getting two more guys later versus one of Barkley, Nelson, or Chubb. I think mathematically that's the right bet to make. Well, I'm certainly going to listen to an offer like that, but I'd want the one next year to really so would I. feel much better about rolling that dice. So would I. I mean, that would then tilt it heavily in favor of saying, hey, you know what, two's a great spot, but... This is an attractive offer to help the team from a volume standpoint, from a long-term standpoint. And I talked about this with Paul on Tuesday, or was it Monday? Monday. And my deal was you get 12, you get 22, you get one of their second-round picks, whether it's, I believe they have 53 and 56, if I'm not mistaken. So even let, let them keep their better second-round pick. Take 56. You take the second. Take okay. 56, and then you get their first-round pick next year. Yeah, that deal makes sense. And I would sign up for that in a second. Maybe the Bills aren't offering that. I don't know the answer to that question. But if you're looking at a position player, and I'll, I'll give my sh- – that, that was a lot of my spiel. So if I'm sitting there too, Lance, and again, this is just my opinion. It's not what the Giants are, are thinking or going to do. Simply my opinion. If Sam Darnold's there, I take him. Because to me, every quarterback in this class has a big-time blemish that scares me a little bit, okay? Josh Allen, the anticipation and the stuff we talked about with Dan Orlovsky, the accuracy, scares the heck out of me. I'm not sure you could fix that. Josh Rosen's durability doesn't protect himself well, has had a lot of injuries. You can't fix that. That just is what it is, all right? Baker Mayfield, six feet, one half inch tall. I can't fix that. No, can't he try? As you can speak to, yes. you, you tried to fix it. You no. can't fix it. Well, I haven't tried to fix it. I'm content, <laughs> despite speculation. You but are anyway, what yes. you are, and, and that does affect you as a quarterback. I know people say, well, Russell Wilson can do it. Well, one, Russell Wilson's a better athlete than um, Mayfield is. But if you watch Russell Wilson play, Lance, a lot of the times he does have guys open when he's in the pocket, but he has trouble seeing them because he's only six feet tall, and he has to break the pocket to roll out and create something. Not everyone can be a a quarterback genius like Drew Brees and navigate the pocket like that at six feet tall. And I have a hard time betting on somebody being able to do that. So, again, 
Donald, to me, doesn't have one of those super red flags. I think what his issues are, you can fix. And I'm confident that you can with his skill set. So Donald's there, I take him. If he, the Browns take Donald, which I still think is likely. I don't know what your opinion is, but I think that's probably the most likely scenario right now. And you're sitting there, trade down for the reasons I just gave in my previous spiel, is why I would try to trade down. Now, if you can't trade down and you're looking at Rosen or Mayfield, and then you're looking at the three premium position players, right? You got Barkley, you got yeah. Chubb, and you got Nelson. The two quarterbacks, the Giants and other NFL teams are going to have more information on those guys than I will in terms of medical and other things that I can only look at the tape. I, I don't know what guys are saying about them in the locker room, whether they like them, off the field stuff, medical. We don't have that information those like red teams flags, do. Yeah. So I'll let the Giants figure out. If they are sold on one of those two guys and they love them, I'm fine. Pick them. Go ahead. But let's say those are out of the picture and you're not going quarterback, okay? And you're down to the three position players, Barkley, Chubb, and Nelson. And you've got to pick one. The trade's not there. You're not picking a quarterback, and you've got to pick one. I'm not a full-blown analytics guy, but I do think they're valuable. I think you have to take it as part of the equation. And when you look at the NFL and the way it's played now, with the value of the passing game, it's a passing league. And yes, I do believe the running back can impact the passing game in that you bring guys up into the box, it makes things a little bit easier Especially for you. if they could receive the ball and catch the ball. No question, yeah. and I'll get to that in a second. And I think that's the argument for Saquon Barkley in that he's not just a runner. He can be an impact player in the pass game, in the return game even if yeah. you want. He can protect the passer. You can be on the field on third downs. But I can't get it out of my head that as a pure rusher, it would not surprise me at all if either Darius Geis or Ronald Jones or Sonny Michelle are better pure runners than Saquon Barkley in this draft. And that's why I can't sell myself on that. I know that's what everybody wants, and that's the peer pressure. I'm not going to give in. I'm not picking the running back at two because I like the other guys in the class too much that I know I can get later on, and I'm not going to do it. Then you're down to Nelson and Chubb. And I keep going back to Quentin Nelson because I think his bus factor is significantly lower than Barkley, and I think Barkley is going to be a very good player. But I don't see any way, barring a catastrophic injury, that Quentin Nelson's not an all-pro. I really don't. I don't see it. But he's a guard. And I like the guards later in the draft. Isaiah Wynn, Will Hernandez, James yeah. Daniels. I can get one of those guys at the top of two. I can do that. So then you're down with Bradley Chubb, who I don't think is a prime rib grade A prospect. I think he's really, really, really good. I'm not sure that he's great. But I've seen teams look for pass rushers for a decade and not be able to find one. And when we look back at that article that we talked about on the show a couple weeks ago and you look at bus positions, the first round is full of running back busts and they're full of defensive line busts. I think Bradley Chubb has a very high floor. He's great technique-wise. He knows what he's doing. He works really hard. He checks all the boxes off the field. And if I had to pick between those three, I think I'd pick Chubb because of the positional value. And I'm pretty sure the Giants don't think that way because Dave Gettleman has pointed out, aside from quarterback, he doesn't believe in the whole positional value thing. He's going to pick the highest-graded player, and that's his prerogative. And I totally get it. I'm not telling you Nelson's a bad pick. I'm not telling you Barkley's a bad pick. This is simply my perspective. I get why you would select those other two guys. I totally understand. But I think the fact that the defensive end position falls off a cliff in this draft after um, Davenport and the kid from Boston College, uh, Harold. There's more of a gap there. Yeah, there really is. So I worry about what happens with this Giants defense without a pass rusher. I mean, we talked about the holes, linebacker, corner, you know, maybe even safety. Uh, last year, they were inconsistent getting to the quarterback, and they yeah. lost their second-best pass rusher, Jason Pierre-Paul. And, yeah, you can try to generate it with blitzes and stuff, but as you well know, it's about the players winning one-on-one -on -one battles to get there. That's how you do it. And I, I think you need it. And I've had enough people tell me that they think Bradley Chubb is going to be great, even though I'm not sure about it, people that I trust and I think know what they're talking about that I think right now if I had to make that pick, that's what I would do. So and that's my spiel. Chubb 1, Nelson 2, Barkley 3 then, based on what you just laid out. Do I have to pick a 2 and a 3? Well, I'd just like to know the order. 
Because that's how it sounded to me. You were selling yourself on Chubb. I get that, but then you said there's more upside to Nelson than Barkley. I think I might pick. Like. I think I might pick Barkley over Nelson. So it's Chubb, Barkley, not, Nelson. Okay. I didn't get that far. I, I know well, Chubb. I'm just I, curious. Yeah, I, I know Chubb's my number one. How about that? Okay, fair enough. I, I don't have to rank the other two guys two or three. No, well, and by I'm just the way, out of curiosity, I'm fine with any one of those three guys, which is why I still think if you can somehow trade down the five or six, which right away I don't think is realistic right now. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's a market for those teams to move up unless the Bills can somehow get the sixth or fifth pick and then make a and second then trade to get trade, two. But which is I'm not betting on that. Yeah. Um, that's why I would love to be at five or six because you get one of those three guys, which I still think are the best prospects in the draft, and and you that's get extra picks. And along you the get way. Well, even if you only get one or two extra picks, cool. Yeah, I'm getting a premium player and I'm getting extra. Where do I sign up? Heck, I take one pick. If you get like if the Browns called you at four and said I'll give you one of my two picks at the top of the second round to go from two to four, I try to negotiate for more. But if my clock on my draft picks at minute thirty seconds. And I can move down just two spots and get an extra, you know, get the 32nd or get the 33rd or 35th pick in the draft. Don't tell Dave Gettleman or the, or the Browns this. I do that yeah, trade. Yeah, I know. Well, you <laughs> secret that you're giving away. Yes. I just, from Cleveland's perspective, I don't see why they would make that deal. But I get it. You're looking at more I'm just saying the what Giants' lens. No, yeah. it's hypothetical. Yeah. Personally, Denver, with John Elway saying that he's more than happy to trade that pick, I don't see them having the urgency to move up. Neither do I. And then Indianapolis already moved down. And now might... all of a sudden they're going to want to move back up? No, they, they'll probably want to move down again, if yeah. anything. So, right. once again, Buffalo, to me, is the most realistic. But Buffalo has to get higher, to me, to make it a little bit more appealing to the Giants. And they're the only team with the draft capital, in my opinion, that to make a trade down realistic. Buffalo has to be involved. Yeah, because they in have two one, first-rounders. And two twos and yeah. two threes. Yeah. They have six. Six picks in the first three rounds. But you know what? Here's the other thing that people are not looking at it. If you're Buffalo, there's a lot of value in keeping those picks and helping rebuild your team or retool your team, excuse me, because the Bills who they made the playoffs, made the playoffs last year. but yeah. they still have plenty of areas of improvement. Correct. They got Richie Incognito said, you know, he's hanging it up. So they need to address their offensive sure. line. If I'm Buffalo, I would use those picks, and you know you could help yourself in that department. I would not be so quick. I understand A.J. McCarron may not be the answer. I'm a little bit higher on him than most people. That's fine. Yeah, but what but, if you can get Lamar Jackson at 12? Well, then why move up then? You have Lamar Which is Jackson why I said I don't yeah. know if that trade offer is going to come. No, it I might mean, not. That, that to me makes 100% because everybody's saying, oh, well, you know, McCarron's not the answer. Fine, but Buffalo could very well, to your point, grab a quarterback without even moving. And then they have some competition. And there's even rumors that Josh Rosen might fall out of the top 10. What if that happens? That's more of a reason why if I'm Buffalo and I'm Brandon Bean, their right. general manager, I mean, I'm just waiting and watching the draft. I have no urgency to move up well before the draft because, who knows, you may get a gift, fall to you, and then you're still able to keep all of your picks. It all depends how you rank the quarterbacks. Like, yeah. if you don't think Lamar Jackson's that big of a drop-off from Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen, heck, maybe you think Lamar Jackson's better than Josh Allen. I don't know the answer to that question, but I think that's realistic. Then you sit there. Which is why I think fans that say oh, you, if, if you don't pick a quarterback, you have to trade down no matter what, there might not be a good trade down option. That yeah. is possible. You need two to tango here, folks. There's no guarantee of it. Well, and that's an important note. It's not as if the Giants are at two. They hit a button. Yeah, and they're like, well, you know, we think we can gain more value if we move down. Yeah, find somebody to trade with, though. That's the trick. Not just going to grow on trees where somebody automatically is going to knock on your door. That, I think, makes it a little bit more challenging that people make the dialogue out to be. But I think all the options I laid out are the options that make sense. Yeah, I don't think anybody I at think this anything... point would disagree that those three yeah. are the most attractive options if you don't go the route of a quarterback. Those three, trade down quarterback. Those, 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 are, your, those are your five options, and Mike's specific quarterbacks would be Darnold, Mayfield, and Rosen. Personally, again, the Giants front office might think differently, but I think any of those things out there... I think there are logical things that make sense. And I and what, and what I put this on Twitter last night. I'm not sure if you saw it. And I think it's a shame that big decisions like this, and we see it in all sports, fans get into camps, and frankly, it's like this in, in everything in the world now, politics, the whole nine yards. It's either you do the thing I want you to do, you're a moron, or you're stupid. <laughs> it's like, you know, you have the bar oh, if you don't pick Barkley, I'm going to quit. They're morons. If you don't pick a quarterback, oh, they're so stupid. How could you do that? What do you mean you didn't trade down? Idiots. Guys, there's not just one good option here. I don't care what camp you're in, all right? I'm not. I'm an analytical guy. I, I Not completely, but I get it. I understand why you would be hesitant to draft a running back at two. I get it. But if you use Barkley as a weapon and not just a runner, and you utilize him properly in the passing game, 
I think he can impact you enough to make that pick make a modicum of sense. I do. I honestly think there's a way to do it. Now, if you just use him as a, as a pounded running back and you're not taking advantage of his passing skills, I think it was a mistake. But I know Pat Shermer. He made the point at the combine how important it is for his running backs to be able to catch the football. So I have confidence that if they draft Saquon Barkley, they will be able to to utilize his offense to the point where it will have a huge positive impact on the team, even if that might not be my personal top choice in what they could do. Congratulations on joining Twitter the other day, based on what you said. I mean, you just realized that that's how the uh, court of public opinion reacts to us or anything. Congratulations on joining social media. I fight the impossible yes. battle, Lance. Well, good luck with fighting the impossible battle. I pat you on the back for that. I mean, that is a valiant effort. The one thing, though, I will add, yeah. listen, when you look at the running back position, there's examples, John, across the board, and I've laid this out multiple times, where I could say it was a nice job by the team taking a running back in the top five, for example, Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette, even though those sample sizes, in fairness, are still very small. And then I could look at the Kansas City Chiefs, who got Kareem Hunt in the third round, and, you know, that worked out so far well for them, too. And remember, the Jaguars of that Fournette went 3-0 last year. So how much of that was Fournette? How much was it the way they're running their team? So, yeah. You know, and, and would the Cowboys be better off of having drafted Jalen Ramsey instead of Ezekiel Elliott? Maybe. You can make that argument. Time will tell. the issues on defense. Sure. Yeah, and then also, using Pat Sherman's example, he just came from a team that went out and signed Latavius Murray in free agency, and he was a low pick, or he may have been undrafted, to be honest with you, and Jarek McKinnon, who also wasn't a top pick. And they, Those were his two running backs. And where'd they draft Alvin Cook? Top around two. Where did the Giants pick this year? Top around two. Top around two. And Cook was on pace to have a great year. With unfortunately, a, went down. With yeah. a similarly deep running back class as he had last year. Yeah. 201-939-4513. I told you I'd talk a long time. I didn't make it up. I wasn't no, lying. You Let, were not exaggerating no. at all. <laughs> I was here to experience it firsthand. I can attest to that. I warned you ahead of time. <laughs> Let's go to Tim in New Jersey. He's up next. Hi, Tim. Hi. How are you doing? What's uh, up, Tim? You. Yes. Uh, although Giants will draft... Saquon Buckley out of Penn State in the second round. Draft James Daniels out of Iowa in the second round. Draft Braden Smith out of Auburn in the third round. Sign Des Bryant to a three-year contract and no. trade. Eric Flowers to the Titans for Jack Conklin and the 2019 fifth-round pick. No, oh, okay, Tim, thanks for the call. <laughs> you started off okay. <laughs> I was going to say, and then we went you off. You did all right. Him. I don't think James Daniels will be there at the top of the second round, at the top of the second round, but I don't think it's impossible that it happens. I'd be very surprised. I think um, Billy Price out of Ohio State is a more realistic spot for him, and Saquon Barkley, that's fine. Uh, first of all, if you, we've talked about why no Dez. I'm not going to get into it again, but <laughs> Three-year deal? Wait, forget that. I'm getting there. Oh, come I'm on. getting there. Eric Flowers oh. for Jack Conklin, really? Come on, Tim. Come on. I love you, Tim, and, and 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 you're a good call. You've been on a lot. You ask good yeah, questions, come on, but Tim. you might not even get just the fifth round pick. <laughs> okay. Eric Flowers for Conklin. Oh yeah, no. Oh, just man. on their contracts, Conklin <laughs> is. Uh, nah, I, you know what? I'm I'm not even gonna do it. I'm not even gonna. But do I it. tell you, if the Giants get all that accomplished, that is a hell of a transaction, a hell of a draft. I'll that, tell you that. They've got them at a busy weekend. <laughs> well, Let me tell you. If he pulls that that is something. Let's go to Phil in North Carolina. He's up next. Hey, Phil, what's going on? Hey, can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Loud and clear, Phil. Go ahead. All right, good, good. Okay, uh, I'm going to give you some names here, and you tell me what the answer is. Yes. Okay? Kind of like a reverse Jeopardy. So, sure. Uh, here, here it goes. Okay. Uh, Alex Webster, Tucker Fredrickson, Rock, Rocky Thompson, uh, Ron Dane, uh, Tyrone Wheatley, and Brown. Okay, that's one group. What are the other group? What are running backs that were picked high that didn't work out? <laughs> <laughs> the other, the other group for two hundred uh, or three hundred. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other group is uh, Ron Johnson, okay, uh, Joe Morris, uh, uh, Tiki Barber, and uh, Brandon Jacobs and Mod Bradshaw. What are non-first round pick running backs that turned out to be really good players and helped you win Super Bowls? Yeah. Well, it just goes to show you it's an inexact science. That's exactly what you and, and, and you know what, though, Phil, you're right, and I should have brought this up in my spiel. I had so many points, I missed this one. You can – running backs more than any other position, and Bill Barnwell had this study where he went through the last, I think, 14 or 15 drafts or maybe even 20, and he looked at who the first running back picked was in each draft, and less than 50% of the time 
was the first running back picked in those drafts, the best running back picked in those drafts. So it goes to your point that you can find running backs later that are better than the guys that go early, no question. Well, and the reason why I think those percentages play out that way, John, is because the running back is so dependent on the other factors around them. It's a product of his surroundings rather than him being, the surroundings being a product of the running back. Yeah, it's the environment. Yeah. So you have to take that Phil, into consideration. Phil, we're with you. Okay. But, but it's, it, yeah, it, that's the global answer. But the, the specific answer is our history, our history of picking running backs. And uh, so, Mike, obviously I'm going to side with John that under no – well, not under no, but I really don't want them to pick number two, uh, Barkley. I really don't. I just – it's the value is not there. Uh, trade down number one or pick Chubb. That's it. That's the only two options that are successful for me. And I've been around this franchise long enough, as you, you can tell by the names I've I kind of found. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and been, been uh, you know, pick, had the highs and the low, many lows, okay? And I know Dave Gettleman is not listening to me. No, or but, me. Uh, or, <laughs> yeah, but, but that's my plea today. Well, and, Phil, here's uh, a question. Would, would you be really upset if they picked Quentin Nelson? I would be... I would be less upset. I actually would be less upset okay. because he he fits. I I I agree with Dave Gettleman about the the gold jacket. You get a gold jacket there, okay. I can live with that. But uh, oh, I hope just, you can live with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just no. And, and and I would argue with with you know plea with Dave. I don't think his first round pick last year was worth the first round. McCaffrey? I think he's a nice, yeah, I well, think he's a nice player, but who would you rather have, Hunter or McCaffrey? You know, Phil, here's the funny thing about McCaffrey. I think he's a bad mix with Cam Newton. And Cam Newton's one of these weird quarterbacks. He's more accurate throwing down the field than he is throwing short. And I think I don't I think you almost use McCaffrey as much as a slot receiver as you do as using him as a running back. It's kind of like a cross between the two. I think if you put McCaffrey in the right system and you use him right with the right quarterback, like if you put Christian McCaffrey with Drew Brees, I think he could be better than Alvin Kamara was last year in terms of being impactful with the Saints. But I, I get your point overall. Yes, I agree with that. And which leads me to my, my uh, kind of my going away statement here is that uh, after we're finished with the draft, what I would like you to do is poll people to see out of all the announcers, and, I, and you guys do a great job, who do people uh, side with? Kind of an informal poll. So I'm going to give you my, my ranking, and no offense to anybody, and my percentages where I, I tend to agree with people. So uh, just to lead off, on, uh, it's a tie between uh, Jeff and, and John. I tend to agree with you guys about 90% of the time. Lance is not far off, though. Lance is probably around 85%. And, and I hope Paul doesn't get upset. <laughs> I'm, around six, I'm about 60% with Paul. <laughs> and uh, I'm about six, and, and, and uh, you know, David, of course, is great. And, and, uh, and when, when Russ was on, I was probably around 30% with Russ. <laughs> so no offense, Russ. But, but, but it definitely dropped off after, after, uh, after Lance. And, and uh, you know, there was a cluster up there, and then there was a big gap. But, but all you guys do a great job. And, and, Thank you, and Phil. The, and, and the beauty of it is that you get different to the opinion, even though you don't agree with it. So, so you know, kudos to Paul and, and Russ and those guys. Thank so. you, Phil. Okay? All right, Phil. Appreciate and, the phone call. And trust call. me, but Paul knows more about the Giants, and he's been around longer than Lance and I put together. He knows his stuff, and – Look, we disagree sometimes. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes he's right. Sometimes neither of us are right, and we're all wrong. So we all have different opinions. We come from different perspectives. And the beauty of it is that we can actually debate those opinions in a calm, logical way and not point fingers at each other and try to, you know, send Twitter well, moves. as long as Paul's not shaking your body in the midst of having that conversation, which I have been on the wrong side of, I could attest to over the last few weeks. <laughs> so it depends on the circumstances, John, but I agree with your point. I just wanted to bring up one thing with McCaffrey. Sure. First of all, we're just talking about one season, so yes. I'm very he leery. came on the second half of the year, too, running the football a little bit more. He did, and also, I mean, I just brought up the Panthers' numbers just to confirm what I initially thought. I mean, McCaffrey led the team in receptions this season, too. What do you, 80? He had 80. Yeah. So, I mean, now granted, they traded Kelvin Benjamin, personnel changed, I get that. Here's but the problem, though. They did utilize him this only past season. Only for 650 yards, and I think that's where they underutilize him. I think they utilized him more as a dump-off back 
instead of putting him into routes down the field. Because if you watch yeah. him at Stanford, he ran routes like wide receiver. He did. So I think if you used him more, you know, when he comes out of the backfield, instead of, you know, taking a linebacker into the flat, take him up the field. Catch the ball in motion. And I think that's where I think the Panthers will use him a little bit better. This well, year. I will tell you this. The first thing that's interesting that you brought that up, I'm sure some people are going to point out, well, Mike Shula was with the Panthers' offense last year, and Mike Shula's here with the Giants. Not trying to create some controversy, but one pe- one person out there I know is going to write that to us. Number two, Norv Turner is the new offensive coordinator, John. And remember, he's worked with a lot of good running backs and has made them productive. Emmett Smith is one guy that comes to mind, but I'll even give you somebody that's not Hall of Famer. He was with Lamont Jordan, people forget, with the Raiders. How do I know this? Because Lamont Jordan was on my fantasy team. That year. <laughs> I had to say that. And Lamont Jordan was very productive. So, and and we're looking at it from a statistical right. standpoint. Anyway, that's why I think it's relevant. So, I'd, I'm very intrigued to see what Norv Turner does for yeah. Christian McCaffrey, Me too. based on how he's utilized running backs. And we'll see if they use McCaffrey more in the running game too. With Jonathan Stewart not there, who had almost 200 carries in them last year. Exactly. So maybe yeah, McCaffrey so be used the more. The role expands. Too. No, absolutely. Yep. That's why you got to look at how personnel changes. Yep. Let's go to Roy in South Carolina. He's next up. Hi, Roy. How are you? Hey guys. Uh, first of all, thanks for taking my call. Secondly, what an amazing couple of weeks you guys did with interviewing so many people with so much knowledge. I, it was information overload, but <laughs> this was the first year that I really followed the draft um, on BBK and just really listening to the opinions. And uh, It was just remarkable. And thank you, Roy. I, I thank just got to say, as a fan, thank you. Well, thank well, you for following it. And you're welcome. Thank you, and thank you for listening. Appreciate it. It, it was awesome. So I got a couple of comments. You know, one of the things that, I, uh, that struck me about Gettleman is he said, uh, big men win games. Yep. And, you know, so obviously uh, whatever they're going to do in the draft, you know, everyone's got an opinion. My opinion is I think Gettleman and Shermer and everybody in the office, they know what they're doing. So oh, yeah. I'm just going to leave it up to them. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, secondly, you know, one of the things that I remember Gettleman saying is that depth. We've got to have depth. He did say that. And, and, and yeah. you know, and because we lost JPP, we lost Beckham, we, our depth was so thin last year that, uh, you know, I really, that's, we struggled. Uh, the O-line struggled. Everybody struggled. I, I should say our team struggled because we had no depth. So whatever they're going to do in the draft, I think that's the two things they're going to look at is they're definitely going to put big guys in there and have, have depth. Yep, I agree. The other, um, the other thing that he added, Roy, before we let you continue, is he said you can never have too many good players in one position, which also is connected to your point about depth. Yep, absolutely. And I think that, um, uh, you know, I think that I, I, I'm a big I, – I love, I love Paul. I tell you, he's, he, I like the fact, you know, he's a hog molly lover. I am too because I think about the way we won games. We won Super Bowls. We won games. And this is – Yes, I will agree with both of you. This is a passing lead, but the enemy is the clock. And if you cannot run the time down. You know, I remember watching so many games in the last several years is that we had, you know, we had three minutes on the clock, and then we would turn the ball over with a minute and a half left. The opponents had two timeouts, and they crushed us. But, Roy, my question, but my, Roy, my question for you yeah. Is that do you have to use a first-round pick to solve the four-minute offense problem? And to me, no. you can find exactly you can find a Agreed. guy that can do that yeah. around two or three. Absolutely, and and I and so I know that that's one of the things that I hope that we look at in the draft and in you know uh, before before camp training camp is that we look at players who are going to give us that ability. For the, because Eli is a master with the four-minute clock. With the, well, no, let me back that up. He's a master in the two-minute, uh, two-minute drill. Sure. Yeah. You, you. I mean, he can, he can flat kill it in two minutes. But when we start turning the ball over with, with a minute and fifteen seconds, then they just kill us. That. So I'm hoping that we will solve that. And no, we don't have to give up the two, the, the second pick for that. And you know, the other thing that concerns me is I noticed that I realized that this is voluntary camp. Yeah. But we have a new coach. We have a new GM. We have a new scheme. We have new 
um, personnel. We have new players. And the thing that the, the really thing that concerns me is that we have players who were there last year who are not here now. And I have to say, Eric Flowers, where are you? And I understand it's it's it, and, and I know that I know it's just shirts and underwear and but camaraderie, um, um, getting to know each other, reading the playbook. Hey, did you see this play? Let me look at this play. I didn't realize that you yeah. know that kind yeah. of information that they can get that they pass along each other. That's what part of the team is. It's 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 bouncing like the, just like you you. Um, uh, you two guys and Paulie and and Jeff, how you guys all bounce off of each other. That's what this camp is for. It's it's to kind of get to know each other, kind of go over the playbook, uh, kind of go over some schemes, um, and and so it really it really bothers me that here you are a veteran, you are you are you are, you're on the team, right now you're on the team. Where are you? No, Roy, I appreciate Odell, the call. Thank uh, you, man. Odell we, is here. Odell is yeah. here. Yeah, because he, you know, and I see the people that are here. They want to know, they want to learn, they want to win. Yep, Roy, we're with you. Thanks a lot for the call, buddy. And look, I think the coaching staff and Pat Schirmer said it. He would prefer if everybody's here. He thinks it's really important to to get to learn everything. And look, Flowers isn't just learning a new playbook, Lance. He's learning a new position. Yeah, in terms of going back to where he was in college at the beginning of his career yeah. and competing at that position also, not being handed and guaranteed a starting Which job. Which he's so, not. Then they yeah. made that point very clear. He'll be, he'll be given the opportunity to start a right tackle is what he was told when they signed Nate Solder. Pat Shermer's exact line was, I know it's voluntary, but I find it necessary. Necessary, Which that I was the word. was Thank very you. interesting in, in terms of how he laid it out, and he was asked again about it earlier today, and he was actually asked whether or not he's been in communication with him. Is it, is it easy to help teach a player even though the player's not here. And yeah. they have said they've had some communication with Eric Flowers, but there's only so much he can get done on the telephone, clearly. Uh, Matt, I'm going to leave Len for last. He's going to be our cleanup hitter today. So let's go to Nick and Montclair, and then we'll get to Len to close out the show. What's up, Nick? Hey, guys. Love the show. Thank First you. Thanks caller. for tuning in. I got uh, two quick points. I'll sure. take them both off the air. First one, um, is Saquon Barkley Reggie Bush 2.0? Great player, but not Hall of Fame player. Um, I think he's probably, because of his um, height, weight, speed, uh, he's a bigger back, so I think he can probably be a better running back than Reggie Bush, and I think that, I, at least I would hope that Barkley could have better health than Reggie well, Bush did over his career, Yeah, I mean, too. to me, to your point, Nick, it's not that Reggie Bush wasn't a talented player. He couldn't stay on the field. I mean, that's what, to me, held Reggie Bush back. And, yes, he wasn't a guy that you were going to give 25 carries to. I don't think any team envisioned that personally. I think they looked at him as a jack-of-all-trades type of running back. But when you look back at Reggie Bush's career, to me it's the fact that he never could stay on the field. But, Nick, I will say this. If you want to look at the worst-case scenario for a Saquon Barkley, I think the worst-case scenario for a Saquon Barkley, if everything goes wrong, would be Reggie Bush. And that's not a bad worst-case scenario. Well, because Bush had a similar skill set. <laughs> Correct. So that's fair. Yeah. Um, and then the second issue is Davis Webb. I didn't want them to draft a quarterback last year. But assuming Eli plays out his full contract, uh, I think they need to go quarterback this year because Davis Webb only have be on a contract for one year as a starter. There's no fifth-year option. You have to pay him right away. Whereas if you draft a QB this year, you have him for two years, and then you get the fifth-year option for your fam. Well, remember, there, uh, is, there is no fifth-year option for Webb because he's a third-round pick. Well, that's what he said. Right, yeah, exactly. That, that was I'm, sorry. I, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood. Well, what I'll, what I'll add to that, though, Nick, is I, I get it. You know, all of a sudden now you got to pay it. But let's face it, even if Davis Webb is the starter for one year, I highly doubt that the market is going to dictate where he's going to get the type of money of some of these other veterans that we see getting that. Well, so remember, Jimmy Garoppolo started six games and he got paid thirty million dollars a year. That, that, that is a great point. That, that's a great point, and, and that would be a counter to yes, what I just said. Right. I'm not going to disagree with you, but it all depends know, how well he plays when he finally does start. Correct. And that's going to be it. Jimmy Garoppolo also, to me coming out of college and who he was coached by and where he went to, yeah, I think I'll also helped that. his stock. Too. Sure. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't be overly worried. Thanks to me, for the call. Appreciate to me, it. Nick, and, and appreciate the phone call, <laughs> it, it's not enough to look at Davis Webb's contract, Eli Manning's contract, and say we need a quarterback. That's not strong enough rationale, no. John. You, you can't push yourself in that direction simply because you're worried about the economics and how they're going to play out a year or two down the road. Nothing bothers me more, Lance, when somebody says you have to take somebody. You don't have to do anything. 
You don't have to do, do anything. Do we have to take a phone call, though, coming up here? I guess we do. Okay. All right. Len in Columbia, Maryland. Len, you're <laughs> you're my final caller before the draft starts, and I'm honored. What's up, buddy? <laughs> hey, Lance, I heard you. Well, I heard you. I I'm just lighting <laughs> the mood, Len. Don't read into it. Listen, you, to be honest Listen, with you, Len, Len the only reason I'm picking on I you is because Charlie didn't call do. in today. Yeah. If Charlie I, called I in, those are, those I would have been talking questions. Yes. You, you put you, – you put – Beckham, Barkley, and a plug-in guard on the field, and we're five wins better. So I want Barkley, but I'm worried about that second pick, John. You alluded to it. I think when we get out around pick 25, I think Wynn's going to be gone. I think he's probably going to yep. go late teens, maybe as late as 20. I agree. Um, I don't think Hernandez is going to be there. It'll be Either. close. It'll there's, be there's close. Just too much, you know, the size. Yep. Uh, people are going to be enamored with that. Plus, he's a good player. Yep. No question about that. I think there's going to be a run on interior offensive linemen. I think you'll be a choice uh, line of Billy Price or Frank Ragnow. If you want a guard or a center, I think those will be the two guys that I'm pretty sure will be on the board for you at 34. And I think those okay. will be the guys you choose from. And I think those are two very good players. So I think you'll be I okay with that. I think those are two very good players. But I think that's a, I, I think, you know, the one, the one unit we've been talking about all season, I mean, from January 2nd on is we've got to improve the offensive line. Yeah, I agree. Now, we've made some strides. We've made some strides. We've got a little setback with Flowers here. Not sure what this all means, what's going to happen, uh, et cetera. Um, but we, got, we need an offensive lineman out of, out of these first two picks. And uh, but I I really want Barkley now. What do I think they're going to do? I think they're going to pick Rosen, John. I think they're going to pick Barkley, Len. If, 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 and, and I don't know what they're going to do. But if you said John, tell me what you think the Giants would do at number two right now. My yeah. guess, and it's, it's an educated guess, but I don't know anything. Uh, yeah. I I think it would be I would if I had to put my life in the line, I, I'd say Saquon Barkley. Well, Len, why well, do you say Rosen? Why do you think they're going to pick Rosen? I just well, I just think. He's the he's the easier transition to Eli, and if you're sitting there, you know I I I don't even want to talk about it, but if we're sitting at two and six, one and seven at the break, the easiest transition amongst these four guys is Rosen, yeah. and I think the he's conventional wisdom of the NFL. You, you can't bypass the quarterback. If you believe I, in I the believe, guy. I believe they bought into that. I'm, I'm not against it. Believe me. I mean, these guys know more than I do. But I think that's the conventional wisdom. And I think they're going to go quarterback. And I think it's going to be Rosen. I think it's the easier transition. Beautiful mechanics. That ball comes out of his hand so easy, guys. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. The rotation on the ball, it'll cut through that wind at Giants Stadium. Um, Len, I'll say this. I, I just think I, just, I think that's where they're going. I think they're going to go with Rosen. Len, I'll say this. I want Barkley, John. Len, I want Barkley and a plug-in guard. Len, real quick, I'll say this real fast. I think maybe Mayfield's a little bit higher on my board than Rosen, but in my head, if I try to picture both guys in a Giants uniform – Rosen feels right. Yeah, that's fair. Mayfield yeah. seems weird. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. not sure why. It, it, they just do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Mayfield yeah, to you. me well, is my I highest think, guy, I think but I would well agree put. with you. But, hey, give me, give me Barkley and, oh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, Daniels. I'm not sure he's going to be there. I think yeah. he's probably 28 that's or 29, tight. somewhere tight. in that range. Yeah. But, um, you know, we, we still gotta, we got to do some work on that offensive line. I mean, whoever we get is going to be a terrific player. And remember, player, two but. picks at the top of round three, Len. If you got a Braden Smith sitting there, Jamarco Jones to tackle, you might be able to get a good, a good offensive line at the top of round three also. So don't don't discount that. Okay, well, I, 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 uh, I, I, you know, I hear Austin you. Corbett? I'm, I'm just kind of locked in. I'm locked in on Daniels. I'm locked in on Daniels. Hey, he's a hell of a player. And, I don't blame um, you. I'm, I'm hoping he's there. I don't think he's going to be. But you, you threw out some alternatives in Ragnall and Price and uh, maybe even the guy from Nevada. Yeah. His name escaped Corbett, me now. Austin Corbett. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a mean guy, too. <laughs> and I think we're going to need that <laughs> along the offensive line. Well, okay, hey, listen, it's going to be a lot of fun. You guys too. were great. Thanks, really Len. Really great. Appreciate we're it. Prepping us for this thing was, and some, I mean, some really terrific guests. The one thing that stood, st stayed with me. I forget who the guest was. I want to say he was, was the guy from Orlads. 
Okay, Shanka. Shanka describe, yeah. describe Barkley as a weapon. Yep, that was a good one. Give me that. And Give he me that. And he also thanks, said, guys. thanks, Len. Hi, he also Len. said Josh Allen couldn't hit a bull in the rear end with a handful of peas. <laughs> <laughs> that was by far my favorite quote yeah. of the whole draft process. Well. Couldn't hit a bull in the rear end with a handful of peas. That was my favorite quote of all the guests we had. Yeah. I, I, no, I'll never forget that line. line. Boy, that's some <laughs> line. Wow. May have to make it open just with that in. I know you're on tomorrow, but any final thoughts for me? What, if you're the Giants, what do you do, and what do you predict the Giants will do? Well, I agree with you in terms of your dissertation earlier in the program, so I don't need to necessarily revisit that. That's but fine. I would agree that if you don't want a quarterback, if that's their plan, then to me I'm content with Barkley, Chubb, or Nelson, and one of would, those three. And who would you pick? I would pick Barkley. Okay. Nelson would be two. Chubb is third on okay, my list that's in fair. terms of my rankings. Almost flip of what you laid out. But that's how I would go about it. That's fine. Um, if they feel the quarterback is the best possible position and they're all in the room sold on a guy, that to me is choice number one. I agree. You take the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Then you choose between the three non-quarterbacks. And you would choose one of those three instead of trading down? Yes, without hesitation. Okay. I would choose one of those three. Got it. Yeah, the only way that I'm trading down is they're giving me the first round pick next year. And you and you want to stay at five or six, or would no, you no, go? I'd would you willing, go down to twelve if you get the one next year? I'd be willing to go to twelve and twenty-two if you get the one next year. But you have to get the number one next year. I think that's the a conversation yep. does not go beyond that unless I get the one. Well, Lance, I got to get out to practice. Sounds sounds good. Always a pleasure, my yes, friend. Yes, absolutely. We're gonna have to practice. Watch day two of voluntary minicamp. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Tomorrow we have our normal show at noon with Lance and Jeff, and then we stream at night. Giants draft night live. Bob Papa, Carl Banks, David Deal will be live from MetLife Stadium. And then I will be here. Paul Dettino will be around as well. Madeline Burke will be in Dallas. And Brandon Lund will be around as well. So a cavalcade of people will be hosting that show. Then we're back on Friday at noon. Then our special draft BBKs, 6.30 Friday night and 11.30 on Saturday afternoon. Make sure you tune in. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmell. Thanks for joining us. And thank you for being part of our draft process here on Giants.com. It's been a pleasure. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one.